welcome to the Podcast of Power, a She-Ra and the Princesses of Power companion podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Nero. And I'm the other host, Jane. And folks, we are closing in on the end of Season 5. We only have a few episodes left here, but uh, today we will be talking about Season 5, Episode 9, An Ill Wind. It is a... um, it is an episode that has a lot of good moments between characters and and lots of really great faces in it. But overall I would say it is a pretty like bog standard kind of almost fillery but not quite episode where you know it, it's basically just a, a a far cry like open world outpost mission. You roll into a town you liberate it from the the invading army. The symbol above it changes. That's it. Yeah, it's 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 basically as much of a Far Cry mission as uh, you're gonna get in this show. It's like they they really don't um, they don't spend an enormous amount of time in this show going over sort of the nitty gritty of actual ground deployments in this war and well in the two wars really that end up happening um for good reason because that would be pretty boring and also this really isn't a show about war as we've said many times uh but they they do they do for this one and it actually i think works out largely like yeah you know the overarching like setup for it isn't especially interesting but uh once you know the stuff with spinnerella comes in the mix um i think that that really like pushes it forward and you know you got some funny mushroom people you gotta love the funny mushroom folks yeah i think th- this is a fine episode it, it is definitely useful to just as a, as a kind of a little bit of a breather while still keeping momentum um mostly this kind of acts as the 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 axis on which the momentum will turn in the rebellion's favor our heroes are back on etheria that's that's where we um we open here uh with with glimmer teleporting again for the first time in a while on etheria yeah she's real excited about she's really excited about teleporting but our friend katra is not especially thrilled no katra uh, her stomach doesn't like it uh when 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 glimmer teleports she just like <sighs> Glimmer, Glimmer is is really, really finger on the trigger about this whole uh, teleporting thing. And Katra just, like, starts, like, bending over, looking like she's going to start doing the horrible cat retching noises. Yeah, I could do it for you, but I'm not going to. We all, <laughs> we all know what it sounds like when a cat is trying to hawk up a hairball. It doesn't sound good yeah it doesn't sound amazing but uh yeah so they they're they get to the bright moon encampment that they uh know about from when they left and find it completely and utterly abandoned there there's helmets and stuff strewn all about it looks like uh you know this thing was this place was completely torn apart and so they have no idea where anyone is or what what is going on at all other than people are being chipped and there's bad stuff happening. Yeah, so they they need to get some intelligence, as it were. And the place that they feel like they're going to get it is the closest possible town to where the, uh, the encampment was. And it turns out it's a little place uh, full of funny mushroom guys that I can't remember the name of anymore. Erlandia. Erlandia. Called Erlandia, and as soon as they teleport there, 
they see the gigantic glowing horde symbol hanging above the town, denoting that they do, in fact, uh, hold sway over this control point, and uh, they will need to to, uh, to to break that control to gain more more points here towards the uh, the conquest score. So we cut back to the Velvet Glove after the title sequence. Horde Prime is very mad. What's he mad about? He's a little bit he's a little bit peeved. Uh, he's peeved because. It seems like the Empire is having a little bit of civil unrest. We get uh, the big floaty screen shows some images from various planets. You've got like some funny elves throwing up like a a banner of presumably whatever their society is. Uh, You got the the star siblings appear in one of the uh, the images here. Uh, They they bust up like a horde bot. And uh, and there's one with some magic hats and as well as... Uh, it's very specific individual behind the leg of this big buff lady magic cat. She's huge. She's jacked. She's great. But behind her leg is hiding this wretched little beast called Luki. He, that's right. We've got a Luki cameo. The awful little gremlin that moralizes to you at the end of every 80 Shira episode. He is here. He's here. He, he followed us. He found his way here. Thankfully, he is on a very distant planet where he cannot reach us. For now. Uh, Who knows when he can appear. He could appear anywhere. Yes, but presumably all of this is happening because the star siblings are carrying the message of she throughout the Empire. Uh, and people are realizing that magic has returned to the universe and thus... There is hope against the oppression of Horde Prime. And so there are there are all of these individual uh, revolts going on on, uh, I believe the clone says, a couple of dozen planets or so. And Horde Prime, he, he, uh, when, he when he stands up to, uh, to, to give some orders, he, he says, My heart aches for these misguided children. Yes, he is... He is more convinced than ever of his plan to, quote bring peace to the universe uh with the uh with the heart of etheria which uh need i remind you when he says peace he means um an eternal peace you know sort of a resting in peace situation yeah so you know normal stuff over there in mr prime's house um we we cut back to orlandia the gang is putting on the uh the cartoon uniform of sneaking uh, which is like some hooded uh, burlap robes. Yeah, they're just wearing big potato sacks, and they sort of wander into town with, uh, right behind uh, Wrong Hordak, who, you know, did, manages to vaguely talk his way uh, into into town here. He's doing his best. Yeah, and and but uh, and Trapta is very impressed with how he, he's keeping his cool in the situation, and, and she uh, she gives him a wink. To uh, to just uh, to you know, just uh, uh, like a like a funny wink. It's like hey, you really showed them, and he's like, "You all right? You know, like a facial tick or something? You good?" And she's like, "Oh, you don't know what? No, it's a wink. You do it when you like. You have like a secret intention that you're getting away with. It's like a hidden message." Uh, and Horda and the wrong Hordak says, "Oh, uh, facial expressions are reserved exclusively for Horde Prime." Yeah, and a trap is like, and see exactly that's why you should do it he's like oh yeah i don't even like that guy and so he tries it and then he has like a funny like he has like a sparkly wink it's like 
it's there's there's a a distinct number of of frames uh, of of faces in this episode. There there are very uh, there are very interesting moments on the screen here. Yeah, there's a bit later where Bo is talking to a shopkeeper and he, he puts on the charm and his his eyes are all big and anime and his, his face is surrounded by sparkles. A lot of sparkles in this episode. Yeah, it's it's, it's quite good. Uh, so they they are trying to gather information. The information they gather from the fine uh, mushroom folks of this town. From from Mario specifically. There's just a Mario here. Yeah, this good this guy who looks a lot like Mario. He's got the Mario mustache, but he's a, he's a mushroom man. Uh, you know, so the princesses have kind of become a symbol of terror throughout Etheria, seemingly, as uh, almost all of them are under the thrall of the Horde. And uh, so trust in the Rebellion is basically at an all-time low. Yeah, which, you know, seems less than great for uh, for their purposes here. They, they end up wandering on into a uh in, into a little shop and uh the lady basically sees them as immediately like oh i don't want no trouble you guys are real suspicious i am immediately calling for help like these people are pretty scared so they they like no we're normal we're just browsing so they browse very normally like normal customers they're very normal um yeah but unfortunately Bo and Glummer cannot quell the revolutionary fire within their hearts. No, they really can't. It's... Uh, for once in her life, perhaps the only time in her life, Adora is the most subtle person in the room. Yeah, like, the, 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 the shopkeeper is kind of bad-mouthing the princesses and the rebellion. It's like, oh, they're traitors. And Bo... Bo is the first one to, you know, he slams his hand on the desk and is like, we, we're, the rebellion is still fighting. And then she's like, well, the princesses, it doesn't matter if they're chipped or not, you know, they're, they're still attacking us. And then Glimmer <laughs> whips off her robe. It's like, not all of them were chipped. And Adora is just... Yeah, she's just like, by the way, I'm the queen. And the girl is like, oh, okay. Yeah, so Adora is just beside herself she's just head head in her hands she's just like oh my god so unfortunately uh before they can get anywhere uh ron hordak pops open the door and says some people are, brothers some people are coming and he gives a wink and adora's like okay what does that mean though and then the windows explode <laughs> well it's just specifically she's like that's not how winking works and then the windows explode because spinnerella is here um and also we would be we would be very remiss to 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 not mention this because before this this particular scene in the little shop they 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 split up and they they're looking around the town for clues and there is a very specific shot of maybe the worst walk cycle ever put to film it's remarkably bad it's amazing it, it's probably the worst one because it, it is in frame the longest it, it lasts a while like it lasts i think a f at least a full second maybe two it's kind of amazing and you know like the, the it is the kind of walk cycle we've seen before where it's just a very awkward top down walk cycle where their limbs are just kind of swinging back and forth weightlessly along their their pre-rendered track 
their body is completely stiff and motionless while their arms and legs just sort of wibble wobble back and forth. It's really fun. It reminds me so much of like mid to not early 2000s, but like mid 2000s, like 2009, 2010 flash games. Like it looks so much like that. Like one of those, you know, one of those, like, like we put, we put a lot of effort into it, Flash games, but it's still like a Flash game. Like it's still on Newgrounds.com kind of thing. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. The kind of like isometric Newgrounds animation where it's where it's top down and their limbs are just kind of kind of swinging around back and forth. Um, it, it's, yeah. it's like one of those Hotline Miami like precursor yeah, style games. It's very goofy looking. Um, you know, it's we, pretty funny. We've, we've talked a lot about the the awkward walk cycles throughout this uh, the show, and of course, it's all good natured ribbing. Walk cycles are very hard. They're very hard, and you know, sometimes sometimes you just sometimes you just don't do it right. Uh, listen, this this show is not a. It, it, it is it, its biggest strength is in its characterization and its its writing and its development of very tight plot lines. The actual animation itself is oftentimes not the highlight of the show, but that's okay. <laughs> there are bits that look very good, but not necessarily a a moment to moment show that like really blows you away um and that's fine so i should also we should also say before we get into this big spinnerella conflict uh katra is fantastic in this episode she's great um she has kind of settled in a bit to her place on the team she is feeling more welcome she it, it is interesting she is still kind of like hovering along the outskirts of most of these these sort of group conversations she's often uh sitting apart with me log like on a tree or or on a log just just a bit apart from everyone else um but not like not participating in the conversations she's just not entirely comfortable being you know shoulder to shoulder with them yet but also she's comfortable enough uh to crack jokes uh, which some might say are in poor taste. Yeah, she. I was gonna say she's like. Katra is. She's on the outskirts still, and she's trying to kind of, you know, she she's starting to want to joke around with everybody and kind of, kind of have a little bit a bit of fun with them. But she's her sense of humor is not exactly like super tasteful you know she'll be like oh wow a whole town that hates princesses should i get property here and everyone just stares at her until she's like uh it's what i would have said before before i joined you guys go go team yeah it's it's great she's um she's trying really hard bless her uh but you know while she's uh out hanging out with entrapta uh, stealing apples from from passerby using Milog's magic, uh, she hears a bunch of hollering, and that is because uh, the best uh, the the maid trio has been uh, pulled into a gigantic tornado by Spinnerella and are just sort of being spun around, r- rapidly ragdolling. Yeah, and they and they are really being ragdolled, like they're they're just being 
tossed around willy-nilly. Which, speaking of animation, is some of the best animation in the episode. That but that part looks great. Yeah, they put they all their budget went into the Spinnerella fight scenes. Uh, which I mean, again, honestly, if you if you're gonna dump your budget into one particular part of the episode, you know, putting it in the fight scenes is usually a good call. So yeah, the uh, as they are uh, escaping uh, Spinnerella using some of Glimmer's teleportation magic. Catra has a line where, uh, you know, she kind of drags some stuff up at an inopportune moment uh, where, where Adora is like, I, I really don't want to fight my friends. This sucks. And Catra goes, that hasn't stopped you before. Come on. Just. Yeah. It's... Le- leave it until later. Listen, it didn't, it didn't stop you. It didn't stop you when you were fighting me. Why, why, why should it stop you now? It's like, listen, the circumstances are different. So while they're having that, before that can turn into a discussion, she reappears. But uh, Natasa also appears and uh, engages in some fisticuffs with her wife. Yes, she's she's here to try and and uh, and get a hold of, of Spinny. But um, the fight's going pretty poorly. Uh, Spinnerella is... She's doing a lot. She's she's throwing uh, debris, some flotsam and jetsam around, uh, trying to impale everybody. She's doing the M. Bison head stomp. She basically just has M. Bison's moveset. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Spinnerella before, obviously, was... She was the wind lady. She, like, could make big vortex gusts and whatnot, but not necessarily, like, a hard hitter. But once she is sort of unfettered from morals or anything like that uh turns out she's extremely powerful yeah she's uh she's no joke and uh she's sort of wiping the floor with everybody so they all have to sort of escape and uh natasa is not super happy about being rescued no apparently she has been tracking spinny for days so another sort of times uh like a time stamp for us the the passage of time in season five is really hard to pin down yeah but it goes by pretty quick like they there's a lot of time skipping in season five it is a, a good estimate to me is that they spent at least three months in space collectively yeah like Velvet Glimmer and Catra imprisoned on the Velvet Glove, and then and then Bo and Adora traveling out there to find them, and then traveling back. Like I think it's fair to say that it's been a few months, and so and and between Spinnerella being chipped and this episode, it's been a few days. Even if that, like maybe she waited a bit before trying to track her down. But regardless, it, it's I, I always try to grab onto those those timestamps when i can because they're so rare in this show but uh we will uh we'll discuss the goings-on of the velvet glove after we finish with the a plot here because it's 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 quite interesting but first we got to clear this outpost so uh everyone has a moment where they stand around in the woods and cry uh well uh, before that before that natasa learns uh just how much her life sucks right now yeah because so she first she's mad that she got rescued because she apparently has been tracking down spinnerella for weeks trying to get a hold of her trying to like pin her down and like 
get her to snap out of her sort of mind control and uh the gang kind of prevented her from being able to do that not that she probably would have succeeded frankly but uh but she wanted to try anyway um immediately after that she sees that catcher's here and just starts attacking her pins her to a tree with a net and before she can she can really go go at her uh adora's like no wait wait no no she's on her side now it's complicated don't worry about it and catcher just like does a little hiss before being dropped flat on her face from the tree and uh it happens a lot in this episode <laughs> happens a lot in this episode um and and then ron hordak appears and she tries to go after him um but she gets stopped again and uh gets told you yeah, know no no he's on our side too so she's like so the only person that i'm fighting right now is i'm not fighting the enemy that we've had for like three years and i'm not fighting a literal horde clone but i am fighting my wife it's just she just has such a just a just a sad look on her face she like stares down at her hands it's like oh man <sighs> she's having a really bad it was their anniversary it's their anniversary or at least it was their anniversary it was and <sighs> so adora kind of covers them and this is where everyone stands around in the woods and cries yeah everyone has like a little cry so yeah she tells like yeah so spinnerella got got first and then she chipped everybody else uh she got mermista scorpia micah and you know every we, we get reaction shots from all the different characters who are like close to those characters we get uh catra reacting to scorpia's name and we get glimmer who may i remind you was so excited to meet her dad uh and in, in episode seven <laughs> just horrified to learn that micah is also chipped uh you know, not a not an especially great uh, moment for her, really. It's this this scene is interesting for a couple of reasons. I like I like the sort of quiet, somber moments of it, where you have everyone like just quietly has like a little cry about how like just abjectly miserable this situation is, just how like hopeless it all feels. But the weird thing is that the, like, Glimmer kind of, like, like she apologizes to Natasa for them not being there and that they should have been. And I, I, I always find that line just a little bit weird because I'm not, it's not framed like Glimmer is, like, overly blaming herself. It's framed like a legitimate criticism, and I don't really think that it's... I don't really get how that criticism functions. I don't really see how else, how they could have been here, considering. Unless she's literally talking about never using the heart of Etheria like it, unless she's talking that far back yeah if she's talking about being trapped on a horrifying space flagship deep in the depths of an alien empire there's really no helping that yeah that's the thing right is you're, like because you're it's a miracle you're here at all yeah she's like oh we should have been here we should have been able to defend everyone and it's like well i mean <laughs> You guys were doing your best with what material you were given. I don't really know that there was a whole lot else you could have been doing, but... 
I don't know. It's just it's just like a weird line. I don't like. It's just it's just a little bit weird. Yeah, but you know that is in the middle of glimmers. Like she's the front first one to kind of break out of this funk, and and sort of rally everyone to action here. Um, she she refuses to let Horde Prime trample over everything they hold dear, and so they are going to uh, hatch a plan. They are going to liberate Erlandia, and they are going to try and save Spinnerella from the chip and this begins the video game stealth section um this is like i said this is just a far cry outpost clearing they they stealth in with with the wrong hordax help like we could go blow by blow here but that seems like dull podcasts like yeah they, they punch dudes catra tears robots apart uh Zora transforms into Shira, and Natasa goes, "Hey, sweet digs." Yeah. Oh, also, Wrong Hordak gets a moment where he like is actually reasonably convincing uh, that he is trying to seem incognito, and then like gets the two clones that were watching over the town uh, ambushed and whatnot, and that's kind of cool. That's right. The meaty stuff here comes with the uh, the fight that Adora and Natasa have against Spinnerella. So. Adora is hesitant to go all out against Spinnerella. She's not, you know, it's not easy to fight someone you've been very close to for like three years. Not very close to, but they were allies. They were friends. Yeah, like like Adora has a line earlier in the episode where she's like, oh, oh God, he really did it. How are we supposed to fight our friends? And of course, that's the line that, you know, Catcher's like, we didn't stop you before, but... For Adora, she's just like, like she doesn't want to hurt anybody. That you know, she's she doesn't want to hurt Spinnerella. Like she's she's acting entirely against her will. She doesn't have any input over this situation. So, like she, it's it's you know, it's a it's a hard situation to uh, to kind of deal with here. But you know, Natasha just is kind of like, hey, listen you really gotta, you gotta give it your all here because she's not gonna hold back and she's kind of kicking her ass right now. Yeah, she is handing them their asses on a silver platter. Like, they are being tossed around. Like, she tosses a big wind ball. Yet again, she does the M. Bison head stomp and uh, Natasha barely, like, avoids being pancaked. Um, like, it is very interesting, the, the, the kind of physicality that Spinnerella fights with now, like she she was always the the wind lady, but now she is using wind to propel her own body and like increase the force of her blows. Oh yeah, no, it's like it's I actually really like her fighting style. She's like most people in the show. I feel like I feel like you have like two like three general fighting styles in this show. You've got like. Like, Bo's kind of unique because he's got his sort of ranger thing going on. Uh, he's, like, the only one who really fits that profile. Everyone else is either basically a caster or a bruiser. And Spinnerella fits, like, in this middle section where she's kind of both. She's, like, really, really heavy hitting and, like, very physical. Like, she she is doing, like, full kicks and, like, just like slamming like into the ground at like 80 miles an hour Uh, but she's also got like some some like range stuff going on so she's like she's a very interesting like 
she she's got a very interesting fighting style and one that's like actually pretty well suited to countering the uh the team because you have like like adora is basically just a bruiser she doesn't have like casting that she does at least well well she does now now she does she, she does now she does now so that's that's sort of the thing that that actually saves them here is that she does have a little bit of casting now yeah so she basically has a big limit break and sends a gigantic wave of, of magic at spinnerella which kind of knocks her out and allows natasa to trap her in a net uh and Spinnerella manages to break control uh, at, at Natasha's urgings, much like uh, Catra and Adora a few episodes earlier. Yeah. When, when does when does she break control, Nero? What, what's what's the thing that prompts her to? I just out of curiosity. Oh, is it is it uh, is it is it Natasha saying I love you? Ah, uh, I don't know. It could be. It might it might be when when Natasha like pleads with her wife and says that she loves her. It's but it's possible that's the line. Interesting. Well, you know, uh, it it doesn't mean anything. Uh, certainly not for Adora and Catra. Anyway, uh, Spinnerella unfortunately cannot fully shake it and uh, teleports away. But she is like, it seems like she is fighting for control because right after she breaks that that control, the chip starts to do weird stuff um it like is glowing really bright green and there's weird tendrils extending out of it along the neck and it all seems bad yeah it all seems very bad just sort of this like horrible green glowing vein stuff is just creeping along the back of her neck expanding outward and then it yeah, it seems really painful and really unpleasant, and and she ends up uh, ends up getting out of there before uh, before she can uh, fully break free. So they uh, they they're they're more than a little bit disappointed at, at not being able to actually get her back, but they they know that she is in fact still in there, and uh, and of course one of the ways that uh, that we know that she is still in there is um while she is under the influence of prime she's been calling natasa beloved but uh the the moment she breaks free she says darling which is actually like what she calls her wife which is again it's like some kind of some kind of themes i don't know those aren't real so yeah like after she leaves and they kind of bring all of because glimmer has been teleporting all of the mushroom people into a forest um to keep them safe Uh, (laughs) the shopkeeper lady is just screaming every single time time. she gets teleported and uh they, they teleport everyone back after the horde has been sort of driven out and there's this really nice moment where so before they actually engage spinnerella in 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 the in in combat uh natasa is really worried about like well what if what if we get the chip off but she can't come back from this like what if you know it'll never be the same and after uh they defeat her catra comes to natasa and is like listen don't worry about any of that i I know from experience that you can come back from this yeah she she just sort of awkwardly sort of tries to to reassure natasa while she's like like touching the back of her own neck and just like 
very anxious about talking about it. She doesn't really like to talk about things, this no. girl, but she, you know, she she put in she she's putting in an effort to be like legitimately like like a nice person and 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 that's and that's the thing um with a lot of this episode actually is this is sort of a continuation of uh of the the Milog episode in a way in the sense that like this is Katra like integrating into the team yes but also genuinely putting in an effort to not just like help them in like the most like strictly surface level version of that like with fighting and whatever but like actually be nice to people and like actually be their friend which is for her that's that's a lot of progress that's that's quite a lot of progress for for this girl honestly absolutely like being emotionally vulnerable like that is all and is not something catcher would ever have done before this like she wouldn't would not talk about any of this unless it was by complete accident like that one time she just ranted at hordak for like 30 seconds oh yeah her her incredibly unhinged like the the facade breaks down for like 30 yeah. seconds oh i'm fine don't worry about it oh, and she God. was clearly super duper projecting <laughs> and just like hordak hordak we're just sort of sitting there like i don't know how to deal with any of this uh, we're actually just like some... okay all mm-hmm. right cool <laughs> uh i'm gonna go do some technology stuff now i'm not gonna yeah i'm not, not touching gonna... that one so after that they 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 find where the uh they go to the rebellion has actually been hiding out which it turns out is the uh the ruins of the hidden horde outpost from season four where Glimmer and Catra tried to murder each other. Yes, and the... Okay, so this... this Tapping my desk. This scene right here is, like, the funniest thing in the world because <laughs> Perfuma, like... So so they get there and, uh, you know, Perfuma shows up and first off, she's just, like, screaming, Show me your necks! So then, as she's screaming, show me your necks, as, as she's, she's bound everyone in, in the vines, Fr- Frosta just kind of slides into frame with this very wide stance and a very serious <laughs> look on her face. She's just tweened in from, from stage right, and is just like, it's very funny. And then the perfume is really huge in the one corner and pointing. It literally, it looks like, like a political cartoon. You could just slap some labels on these, on these fellas. So they check everyone for chips. They're all clean. And perfume is just completely breaking down and sobbing in relief because she doesn't have to be in charge of this nightmare anymore. She yeah. can she can let Bo do all of the all she, of this. She doesn't want to be in charge anymore, but but also very importantly, when when uh when uh the uh when the rest of everyone is asked if they know this place, if they're familiar with it, because Glimmer's like, wait, we're we're going here. Um Glimmer and Katra they just kinda look at each other and for a second and Glimmer blushes. <laughs> Catra is, is just sort of scowling, yeah, but Glimmer Ah uh, God. Glimmer blushes and It's so funny. Listen, I like we said, there's 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 Ladies, is it 
Is it is it gay to uh, to fight? It's barely to it's... to fight your rival uh, almost to the death in Mortal Kombat. I think maybe a little bit. Yeah, maybe Glimmer certainly thinks so. Um, and, and after all, all of the the screaming and yelling about the next is done, uh, there's just a very good moment where everyone is reunited. Entrapta introduces Wrong Hordak to Emily in a, in a very another very anime moment where Hordak, uh, Wrong Hordak is just like overcome with joy at, at touching Emily and petting Emily. It's like, wow, I've made a friend. Yeah, it's it's actually, I just remember this, it is a, a direct callback actually to season one, I think episode two, where um, Adora meets a horse for the first time. That's right, where she touches the horse that would become Swiftwind, and she makes a very similar face. Yes, I, there's another. I just there's another that. callback to that exact episode earlier when, um, when after they liberated Orlandia, and they're thanking the princesses. Bo has like a quick like, well, I, I mean, you know, I'm not technically, and he gets cut off by someone else. That exact same thing happens in episode two when Adora is ranting about princesses. And Bo says almost the same thing. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my god, that's there's like, there's some there's some weird like season one callbacks in this episode. It's kind of cool. Yeah, except in this one, it's, it's 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 he's he's much more you know confident about it. And now I think he's like, well, listen, I'm not actually a prince. I'm just like a guy with a bow. Um, but now we get to the bit where where Adora is like, hey, come on, Catra. You, you, come come talk to everyone i think it's time you really uh everyone's really ready to meet you and she's like you really think and then frosta just pops up just out of nowhere traveling at mach 5 smashes her ice fist at the catcher's face yeah she gets just completely rocked like she goes flying and she is like are you kidding me (laughs) um but like Adora steps is like Frosta. Hey, listen, she's she's cool now. She's with us. Like she's she. It's it's different now. And Frosta, of course, like yeah. Well, I still don't like her face. Um, it's don't worry, Frosta. I don't think. Listen, I, I'm sure that you know you've you've rearranged it slightly. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm you know if you don't like her face, it's it's going to be in a slightly different shape now, slightly concave maybe. Yeah, but and I think it's really a very important moment is when Adora like walks over to help uh Catra. I was like I I think she can live with that. Um uh, and and Catra before I think this this event would kind of cause Catra to storm off angrily and or and or lash out, but she just Oh, I think definitely the second thing. I think Catra in in Prior to this episode, Catra would have flown in a rage and tried to claw Frosta's face off. I think she she would have flayed the child. Um, but this she lets it roll off her shoulder. She even laughs it off. Yeah, she's like, you know what? I I, pro- I did explode her her party. Like I did ruin her prom. So like I kind of deserve that. Yeah, she's she 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 takes it on the chin, uh, literally, literally in this case, yeah, quite literally, um, and. I don't know. Again, it's like good. There's really good Katra development in these two episodes, which is, which is like it's it's really nice. She's like actually kind of like working through her her stuff a little bit here, which uh, which is good uh, because we um, you know uh, we have two principal characters that really need to work through their stuff in record time here before the end of the show and. 
Uh, right now, only one of them is. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure we'll get to that in a in a few episodes. Um. <laughs> so before we have, you know, the, yada yada, they they they're here. The gang is back together. They're ready to fight. So let's talk about the stuff with Horde Prime and Hordak in this episode because it's brief, but it's very interesting. Yeah, we get a we get a very short B plot, but it is it's it is very it's it reveals a lot of interesting things. So Horde Prime is vexed by Shira. He is he is like I need Etheria and all of these other stuff. They're like at the edge of my mind, but I can't call these concepts to me. So I need to go into the hall of my past vessels and plug myself into their memories to get that knowledge because Horde Prime is immortal and he keeps switching bodies but there's only so much storage space any organic brain has so presumably what happens is that he just like transfers what he thinks he needs to whatever vessel he he changes into and just leaves all the old stuff in the used up and shriveled vessels yeah and it makes sense it makes sense when you think about that right like he he finishes conquering a people he's basically done with that information isn't needed anymore so he takes like the little teeny bits and pieces that he thinks are like the most most important and just everything else goes into deep into the deep freeze and if he needs to remember anything you'll go look it up it's it's like it's 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 a re- relatively smart way of doing things for him, honestly. What if what if Wikipedia was a bunch of guys in tubes, and that that's what he has? That's exactly what he has. While all this is going on, Hordak is having an identity crisis. By that I mean, he is having an identity, which is a crisis for him because of his uh, position. So all of this time he is is still playing with the the first one's uh chip that he found in the rubble right the the one that entra- that entrapped he used to power his armor and it's fascinating because he is like he's basically sneaking memories when horde prime isn't paying attention like he there he's getting these flashes of 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 remembrance remembering his, his friendship with entrapta and all of the other stuff about his past life, which was supposedly all wiped clean by Horde Prime. But while Horde Prime is, is uploaded into his own personal memory matrix, uh, Hordak is like, he he remembers Entrapta in flashes, and he looks at Horde Prime to check that he's not, like, paying attention. And then he willfully, like, closes his eyes to remember more. Like, he's getting away with it. Yeah, he's he's got a brief uh precious few moments to try and process all of these things that he's remembering um and it's really only coming to him in these very very brief flashes but he knows that something isn't right and that he's he's forgotten something very important and it has something to do with this girl with two big twin tails and that bit where she the the the, of course the the big emphasis is put on that shot where she's surrounded by the sparks and smiling it's like of course that would be the thing he remembers the most Mm -hmm. so while he's while this is happening though horde prime does a bunch of interesting things because he's like he's finally remembering the first ones and he, he doesn't call them by any name other than that. He doesn't call them Eternians, which is presumably uh, who they are. But he's basically like, oh, why would 
they give themselves over to myth and magic why would they allow themselves to be be caught up in the whims of this of this force they cannot control and you begin to realize why horde prime fears magic so much because he can exert his will on anything and everything and everyone in his vicinity in his realm except magic yes magic is the intangible and living force that is it's too chaotic and too wild for him to wrestle to the ground and 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 uh bend to his will and that's something that does that isn't just infuriating to him it isn't just something that he wants to destroy because it challenges him but it also scares him because the idea of him not being able to have complete hegemony over all the universe and all the laws that govern it you know it sort of calls into question the mythos that he's built and i think a very interesting thing about horde prime is that he sort of believes his own hype in a lot of ways like Horde Prime's image to his clones and to the people he's conquered is as a god, and despite the fact that he is a man. But he's been in this persona for so long, maybe longer than, you know, he's even had clones. Like, presumably thousands and thousands of years he's sort of occupied this role, and you know, at a certain point, he just, I think, started to believe in his own sort of myth that he is a god. And it's very, like, it's it's probably quite, like, disconcerting to be faced with uh, the material reality that he is still, despite all of his, his, like, advancements and technology and, like, his sort of raw economic power... Despite all that, he is still just a guy. Yeah, he's he is fallible, um, very fallible if, if you use magic. And it's also interesting that he can't even comprehend why the first ones would even mess with that. Like he he literally just he's like, why would anyone even do this? Why would a empire like the first ones even bother with this? Despite the fact that he knows about the heart of Etheria and the power it possesses, it's still like he can't he can't connect those two things together to comprehend like oh magic is powerful if you can harness it he doesn't even want to, he he doesn't even thinking about harnessing it there that is not a thought that exists within his mind yeah he like for him it's just it's it's not reconcilable he's just like why like he can't even grasp the the sort of mental present like idea of it right like for him it just doesn't make any sense why would you bother it's such a it's not just a waste of time but it's an insult it's it's insulting to him the idea of stooping so low as to use the forces of magic like he has sort of begrudging respect for the first ones um as like his old enemy maybe the only other empire that ever really challenged him um they, I mean, they had a really big war about the whole thing, and like he he has a begrudging respect for them in a lot of ways, but he has much less respect for them than he probably would have because of their use 
of magic. Had they just been a technological foe, I think he probably would have a much higher opinion of them. But because they're using magic and using forces that he's deemed, like, antithetical to his view of things, it's something that, that in his mind makes them not just weaker, but, like, kind of repugnant. It's it's something that he he's kind of disgusted by. Um, if it was up to him, he wouldn't bother with any of this nonsense at all. But, you know... He needs to figure out how to uh, kill literally everyone in the most efficient way possible. So that does mean he is going to have to use the Death Star. And we end the episode with uh, Horde Prime destroying his own big stupid mega, uh, mega screen this time by punching it and ordering a course to be set for Etheria. Prime himself will be stepping down onto the planet, uh, which we will see all about next week. But first, we got a couple of questions here. Uh, we got one on Twitter, and we got a few on a Curious Cat. Our first one here from uh, at Casey Cosmos, uh, patron of the show, Casey. Um, she asks a, a few questions here. Y'all ever had mushrooms on any food? How was it, uh, if, if so? I am a known mushroom enjoyer. Uh, they are, I think, the main problem people have with mushrooms is the texture which is fair they if they are um they can they can be a little rubbery yeah it's i i also uh love mushrooms mushrooms are delicious um i i have uh i have oftentimes had to uh to subsist off of like quite a lot of mushrooms actually i've lived uh with a lot of people who are like strict vegetarians uh vegans or or, or whatnot so uh, a lot of mushrooms uh in uh in my diet over the years and they're they're pretty good i i quite like them but they're e despite the fact that you can't really overcook them it is easy to cook them wrong i think you know your 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 pizza hut mushrooms they're very rubbery your, your pizza chain mushrooms aren't that good but you slap like a one of those big portobellos on the grill fry that up like a like a like a patty mm, it's good yeah, that's that's always good. Portobello, like sandwich, is great. Um, I'm always a big fan of like oyster mushrooms and that kind of thing. Like those are great in soup. It's uh, you know, it's you, you get like a nice sort of sort of meaty thing going on with a lot of different types of mushrooms, which is great. I actually, have, I, I've always wanted to try. There's one uh, specific type of mushroom called chicken of the woods, which supposedly tastes like chicken but the problem with it is that you can't really farm it like mo like most mushrooms you can't really farm them so you'd have to like literally go into the woods and find it um which is like obviously that's got some some issues if you don't know what you're looking for you might pick something that is uh yeah not good to you eat. Know? and mushrooms you know a lot of them can look very similar to each other um if you're yeah. careful and one of them might taste like a delicious chicken breast and the other one might make your eyeballs boil out of your head if you're not careful um yeah so yeah but mushrooms if you haven't tried the fungus among us on any uh foods you should give it a try they're 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 good um next up here on, on uh, the the second half of this question what careless mistake do you make that gets you captured as you're infiltrating or escaping the enemy base in some sort of mandatory video gamey type stealth sequence I assume this uh, she means us, the hosts. If we if we are put in a 
uh, mandatory video game stealth sequence. If we are put in the fortress from Wind Waker. Oh yes. Uh, what what gets what gets us captured? Hmm. I'm large in stature. I'm not very sneaky. Um, it is difficult to sneak. I think I, I just I just hide behind a comically small tree is the problem, like in Looney Tunes. Ah, uh, just like in Looney Tunes. And then I and then I get tackled by all of the all of the the genome guards or whatever. You get tackled by all the moblins guarding uh mm-hmm. guarding for Forsaken Fortress, obviously, and thrown into the little cell. Um, I feel like I feel like for me, I would be like really, I I would like spend way too long like overthinking uh like my my pl- i would i would be sitting like behind a box for like an hour just... thinking like okay i need to pl- i need to see everyone's route i need to understand exactly where all the guards are going to be at every second and and plan out this whole thing and whatever and like eventually somebody would just like wander by behind me where, where i wasn't paying attention and then just like be like hey what what are you doing here? Who are you? <laughs> the uh, the part of the Hitman level where you're just like st- just walking around trying to figure out where an opening is, and you're just watching everything play out. You're just like, uh... yeah, exactly that. But you don't have the ability to reset the the level. God, <laughs> you listen to all of the all of the like plot threads that are going on. Like, oh yeah, I could do that, or I could do that. But then d- the level ends yep. because because there's a time limit <laughs> uh i other question here on twitter from uh what is cosplay uh friend of the show Cass, host of strange fiction asks go team you'll hear about that italian town that has a wine fountain what do you think each character won a fountain of i, don't, I, can't, say, me, I can't say i've heard of the wine fountain town that seems pretty nice Tell me, tell me more about this Italian wine fountain. Yeah, I was gonna say that seems that seems pretty good. Yeah, uh, that image of of the girl like resting her head on the water and letting her her hand drift out. Oh yeah, yeah. That would be me in the Italian wine fountain. <laughs> um, as for what novelty fountains each character would want, I mean, Glimmer would want like a chocolate fountain i feel or like a like a like an icing fountain she i she seems to have a sweet tooth considering her uh what, what we've seen of bright moon cuisine yes no I, I i think definitely she's got a bit of a sweet tooth going on for sure for sure and trafta soda uh, fountain mountain dew yeah soda fountain for her oh god that's so sticky oh god um the hair the hair gets into the mountain dew fountain oh no oh god horror show terrible catra catra this is a good question now blood i have i've long been thinking about the the characters in this show yes we we have spent a year of podcasting thinking about the characters in this show (laughs) yeah uh but i i've i've been thinking who is out of our principal characters the person who is just like the like the chocolate lover right like who's the person who is just very deeply into chocolate i kind of think it's probably katra really i i feel like she would be the person who just adores like 
not not like milk chocolate i don't think she'd like milk chocolate but like that that like 60 percent like bittersweet chocolate i think would be exactly her jam oh man that actually that's perfect see i, I was i was questioning your decision was like because i was thinking of milk chocolate and, and hershey stuff oh no she can't i don't think she can stand that that nonsense she 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 hates she hates milk chocolate but dark chocolate that's exactly her jam the very earthy bitter kind of so it's just a hint of sweetness i bet she'd love that stuff and she would love tricking glimmer into eating it oh yes of course and glimmer would be like what is this what's happening this isn't the chocolate i know this is revolting but she keeps do- she keeps getting fooled by it for some reason <laughs> she introduces glimmer to salted chocolate and glimmer dies oh man oh salted chocolate is so good actually it wouldn't be glimmer who'd be the one who'd who'd constantly be fooled by it, it would be adora Adora would constantly accept the chocolate. She would always accept the chocolate. And, but the thing is, I feel like Adora wouldn't mind the dark chocolate that much. Yeah. Glimmer's the like... one who would hate it. She could, she, she, listen, it's got to have at least 40% sugar, like, by volume. Who wants a barbecue sauce fountain? <laughs> adora yeah okay yeah adora wants the wants the sweet baby ray's fountain <laughs> for her um for her super bowl sunday like snacks oh man Ugh, i don't like we could go on and on just revolting food fountains but for the sake <laughs> of brevity we will just say that catcher would be a dark chocolate fountain is very interesting yeah i th- i think i uh, a, a chocolate a chocolate is as as black as her soul of course yes she'd probably be into those like coffee chocolates that are full of caffeine oh yeah for sure for sure right i ate one i ate one of those one time because where i work there are those self-serve convenience stores one of them was like the this like like cappuccino chocolates yeah that seems all right let me try one so I, i bought it i ate it and i felt it's like my body was like dying like my fingertips were tingling. I said, "Hmm." Yeah, it's a maybe. I shouldn't eat the caffeine chocolate. Yeah, like the caffeine, like the caffeinated, like food, like the like when it's a drink, it's different. It's like it, it hits different. It's it's weird. I oh, I can't stand like the 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 like caffeine supplements or like caffeinated like food items. Like oh, it's 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 too much in a way that's very unpleasant. Yeah, so. That's it for Twitter. I think we we have one on Curious Cat here. Obviously, we still, we still have the failsafe one. We do. We'll, well, listen, listen. That's coming up very, very, very soon. So don't worry. So anonymous here uh, asks a pretty important question. Um, do you think Katra ever realizes that when Adora came to save her in season five, episode five, Adora believed that Shira was gone? Would she be upset that it was basically a suicide mission or moved by the notion that Adora risked everything to show up near defenseless at her enemy's door just to save her? Yeah, that's... I never thought about that before. That's that's actually... It, that is a really good question. I haven't thought about that either, actually. This So, so this is interesting. I think that probably... So, so textually, we have no information as to, like, if she realized this or not. I think, though... Just from the perspective of thinking about the characters and how they behave, I feel like, for me, I think probably she would realize that if, like, at some point. And I think that would contribute to the fact that she 
is genuinely like upset at the fact that she was rescued and while a lot of that like her being upset at being rescued is because she doesn't feel like she deserves it um there is like a there's a layer of that um uh that's that's concern right she doesn't really think that horde prime is someone you can just fight you know at this at that point in the show during like save the cats and um and corridors she stopped being under the impression that horde prime was really an assailable enemy he's not really on the same level that hordak was so she she didn't exactly have a lot of confidence that uh that the dude was something they could handle even with shira so you know her her gambit was to sacrifice herself so that they lived and seeing Adora show up again um you know she definitely was pro- was quite scared of the idea of Adora you know losing her life trying to to save her someone who in her mind doesn't matter and i think that if she knew if she realized at some point that Shira was gone when when Adora came to to her rescue I think that would probably make her pretty upset yeah like like it's that would be like a whole other layer of like not only was this risky but you just told me that not that this was like a whole other level of stupid like you took this from like this is dumb to this is this is real dumb yeah this is like the whole reason i did this so you wouldn't get your stupid killed trying to save me you don't even have she-ra you even have that like but you know a, a, a lot of that would have been sorted out in the aftermath of save the cat i think like once once that sort of resentment of being rescued passes and she's kind of back with adora i think it would it would lean more towards being deeply touched that she went there anyway without any powers at all uh presumably like there was the the cave thing that happened but adora didn't really know if that was going to happen again like she had that burst of strength in the cave but that was very much a like you cannot call on this uh at will this is something that just happens uh, seemingly so you know yeah no there was there was really no information that that shira was like back back you know they 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 had an inkling that it's possible that she could maybe come back but there was certainly no way to control it not when they actually got to the velvet glove anyway which you know if they had gotten captured it would have all been moot whether or not shira could come back at that point so yeah no it, it was it was incredibly reckless and I think that Katra would have been pretty mad if she if she knew just the level of reckless that plan actually was. Insanely there was reckless. A lot of, there was a lot of assumptions baked into that plan. Like, they just sort of assumed they'd be able to find the mainframe and also assumed they'd be able to do something with it and assumed Horde Prime would fall for their trick. There's a lot of assumptions going on and... You know what they say about assumptions. Uh-huh. And, like, yeah, like, the, the plan falls apart basically instantly. <laughs> like, you know, without Shira, they would have been completely screwed. Um, Horde Prime immediately sees through them. They're being swarmed with clones. Like, it's, uh, it's quite something. But, uh, yeah, so, you know. Uh, we got a couple of emails here that we can knock about real quick, I think. Um, one here from AJ uh says 
Hey Jane, hey Nira, love the podcast. I finally caught up, and I was wondering if you had any thoughts on why, at least for me, it's so easy to want to forgive Catra despite all the horrible things she's done, but I have significantly less empathy for Glimmer after the way she treated everyone in season four and attempted to use the heart. Am I just a, am I just a sucker for a cat girl? Cheers, AGZ. Uh, well, the answer to that last question is yes, but that's okay. We are too. Yeah. Um, it's fine. Listen, it, it's it's how it goes. We're all suckers for the cat girl. I think Glimmer. I know a few people who are like not big fans of Glimmer, um, including for our friends. Like her, she's very difficult in season four. She is very. She's worse than I remembered in season four. In, in fact, that that scene where um, she snickers at one of Shadow Weaver's jokes at Adora's expense. That stuck out to me. Yeah. She's, she is being, listen, I'm not going to mince words. She's a huge dick in season four. Um, and like, it's for understandable character reasons, but at the same time, I can completely understand if you were like less sympathetic towards Glimmer after that. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's justified. Yeah. Because the thing is about Catra, despite the fact that she was a villain and it did a lot of pretty bad things uh, throughout the season. She was always positioned as the secondary protagonist of the show. You spent a ton of time getting into Catra's head and like feeling what she is feeling. She was not someone who was like just doing stuff out of context and was just a pure villain who showed up from time to time. The story is just as much hers as it is Adora's. Whereas Glimmer in season four has to sort of jostle in the middle of those two arcs and the other big thing you know the glimmer glimmer's actions definitely mess a whole lot of things up and she and she absolutely recognizes that and i think the amount of time spent grappling with that is way less than the time you spend with katra as a character yeah that's that's the whole thing it's it's sort of a lot of its framing, uh, when it comes down to it, it's it's sort of intentional framing, and um, and it's about like how how much exposure you have to the other person's perspective. It's it's easier to feel a lot of empathy for a character who you are given a lot of screen time for their specific perspective. And, and Katra gets quite a lot of that, and the way that she behaves is largely framed as the, the kind of behaviors somebody who has uh, been sort of traumatized by the system they're participating in would, would do. Which isn't to say that any of it is right, obviously, but, you know, framing. Um, Glimmer, on the other hand, with the way she behaves in season four, she isn't really afforded the same framing. She is given some sympathy but largely the show chooses to frame the way that she behaves from the perspective of other people you don't there's not really a lot of scenes um in which glimmer is like alone grappling with the weight of her decision making you know glimmer is of course in season four dealing with the fact that she has been thrust into a position of power she is now the leader of the rebellion because her mom is dead and she has to deal with the reality that they are fighting a losing war 
and they are on the back foot and people are losing their homes and their lives um, to a seemingly unstoppable war machine. It's kind of grim. And for her part, she wants to... She's committed to ending the war as fast as possible. It's ruined everybody's lives and she does not want it to continue. So in her mind, she wants to, you know, do what she feels is necessary to make sure that that happens as quickly as possible. But the show is not actually going to frame that conflict um, in in as overt a way as it frames the conflict that Katra has for the other parts of the show, you know, seasons one through three, and most of season four even, like, Katra is given more screen time on her own or in positions where her inner sort of perspective is is getting shown off. Glimmer is pretty much always being seen through the eyes of people that she is dismissing or is actively hurting or is, like... Um, just not being especially good friends to. And, and this is like, it's, it's an important part of why it is that I think it's harder to feel a lot of sympathy for Glimmer in season four, because they just sort of intentionally take away her side of, of the narrative. And it's, it's kind of, it's a deliberate maneuver, right? Because, um, they need to sell the idea that Glimmer is committing a lot of wrong actions here. You know, they need to sell the idea that you have these, the two principal characters of season four, like we said, are in fact Katra and Glimmer. They are the two people really facing each other off, the two sort of de facto queens of either side of the war. And in order to sell the fact that Glimmer is now kind of an ancillary antagonist, someone who is not actually on the same side as the rest of the protagonists here. They have to kind of deliberately avoid giving her um, a lot of empathy points because otherwise she's still going to appear as one of the primary protagonists just you know she's being a bit of bit of an asshole they need to really push it to to sell to the audience that she is doing some really heinous stuff at the back end of season four and uh and so so it makes a lot of sense that that katra ends up being a more sympathetic character because she is they they have to give her additional screen time and additional like sympathy points because she is already the antagonist and they have to build that rapport with the audience to make people like want to like her that's right it's all about framing just a fun little trick you can use to make stories good um we have another one here from a user who requested to remain anonymous um and they say hello right now i'm listening to episode 11 of the podcast about the gay agenda rainbow part slash question discussion that is quite far back hopefully you'll get to this eventually um <laughs> oh yeah that was that was a while ago oh that was a while ago earlier in the first season catra says the phrase in regards to dora being with the Bellion, it's a phase sh- she'll come back paraphrased 
something that hit me hard and really wanted to point out uh, that many in the LGBTQ community may have heard this before and after coming out. Possibly why this line was in there. I uh, don't know if you to address this already in later episodes. Keep up the wonderful work with your podcast. I do remember that line. That was like episode four. Was it? Yeah, that was like episode four or something. It was because it was like she was talking to Shadow Weaver. It was when Shadow Weaver found out yes. that it was after. Yeah, because uh, it was after episode three. Because like at the start of episode four, she calls Catcher in and is like, and then like is pointing to Shira. like, hey, hey, you knew about this? Hey, is that Adora? <laughs> Hey, did did you know? Um, so yeah, I do remember that. Catcher does say it's like it's a, it's it's some stupid phase. She'll come back eventually. Um, yeah, it uh, that is certainly not an accidental uh, phrasing, considering who writes the show and what it's about. Yeah, no, I, I I don't think that that was an accident at all. It's this this show's got, of course, a lot of a lot of themes in regards to that kind of stuff. So it, it you know. It's a phase. She'll come back is like, you know, Adora is currently being true to herself and her inner, uh, her sort of inner beliefs and, and, and who she really is in, uh, in the start of season one, she's actually like breaking free of, uh, the sort of oppressive atmosphere of the horde and going to the funny, rainbow kingdom of people who dress up in sparkly spandex so yeah it it's a it's subtle <laughs> but it's there yes so to answer your question yes um yes so i also apparently this person's been playing prom night uh by anna managuchi on repeat which uh me too does that is a real good song it's quite good um so yes so yet again, we find ourselves in the position where there's no spoiler zone to talk about because we are quickly running out of road with regards to that. We have four episodes left, three podcasts left, which is crazy to think about um, before we finish season five. Oh God, yeah, that's true, huh? We got Return to the Fright Zone next week. We got Failsafe, which boy howdy, that's going to be a, a good episode. And then we will be covering. The Heart 2 parter in one episode, and that one long uh, is all I will probably say about that. So, yeah, we, we have, you know, we got the Heart 2 part that's going to be a, a mega long, spicy podcast. Um, and then we're, we're, we got our email episode and our, our series overview, and we are uh, wild to say that we are almost done with this show. We, we are. We're, we're really, we're really close, actually. Uh, we're gonna have the email episode. Obviously, we're gonna do the uh, the the little tabletop thing for for our lovely patrons and whatnot. I gotta I gotta start getting that set up. Yeah, we gotta like get people together for that. But uh, but yeah, we're we're very fast approaching the uh, the sort of the the critical the critical terminus here, and uh, it's you know we're excited. It's it's kind of it's kind of bittersweet yes. right it's it's exciting to actually finally get to these episodes that we've been wanting to talk about for so long but it's also you know it's the end of the show it's like it's kind of a bittersweet thing but we we do have we do have more cool stuff coming after this this completes we're not quite ready to announce that yet mostly because we we don't really even we, we haven't really gotten a title for the for the new podcast yet. It'll but. be announced when it'll be announced. Don't worry about it. Your clue is crystals. <laughs> Take of that what you will. No, it's not Steven Universe. It is not Steven Universe, but there are crystals involved. 
So we have places that you can follow us on this wild thing we call the internet. You can find us on Twitter at Podcast of Power, uh, where we have links to our Curious Cat and whatnot. We have a, uh, where you can, uh, you know, ask, ask questions, as Casey and Cass did this week. Or you can send them into our Curious Cat, if Curious Cat decides to work. We've also got our email, potapower at gmail.com, uh, where you can send in emails to be around on the show, uh, especially for that big season five mailbag episode coming up. If you have big, long, uh, end of series thoughts, get them in. Uh, we want to hear them. Yeah, we got we got a couple in already, but we'll, uh, you know, our, the, the doors are wide open. Feel free to, to send them in it's uh that's that's actually going to be quite a quite a fun discussion i think it is we've also got our patreon uh, patreon.com slash pot of power you can find all, all sorts of stuff uh at the one dollar tier you, you can uh, gain access to our exclusive patreon discord uh where i will i will be trying to to rustle up some some movie viewings uh i don't know when this will be going up but either by the time this goes up or slightly after this uh, uh before this went up I will have streamed uh, The Mitchells vs. the Machines for our, our lovely patrons. Uh, a very fun movie. Very, very good to look at movie, uh, if nothing else. Um, you can also gain access to our old side. So we have a few sideshows, and you can gain access to the older seasons of The Owl Cast, where we watch The Owl House, The Kipo Cast, where we watch Kipo and the Age of Wonder Beasts, and. Uh, you can get season one of the Owl, Owl Cast and seasons one and two of the Kipo Cast uh, on that tier right now. But if you want to bump that up to three dollars to become a Force Captain, well, that that unlocks a few things, doesn't it? It does. So that unlocks the current episodes of all of those bonus uh, those bonus casts, including the Infinite Cast, which is uh, when we take a look at the Infinity Train. We're on book one. Uh, we're going to be having. Another episode of that coming out shortly. We've uh, we're we're pretty excited to to crack into that show a little more. It's really fun. We will be. Uh, I think next up, I think we're gonna do an owl cast first because that's that's airing right now. Yeah. Um, and I want I really I want to get to those new episodes because they look good. They do look pretty good. So we'll do that. Then after that, we'll have our Infinicast. Uh, I believe we we might go, be going to a three weeks on one week off schedule for those because uh, we we still got a season of Kipo left, and of course Infinity Train we have a lot left. Yes, and we'll probably at least one or two of those casts are actually probably going to be extend past the runtime of of the the main podcast here, which is interesting. So we'll probably do at that point is there will just be one coming out every week uh, until we we uh, we get through all of those episodes. That's right, uh, and uh, so. We also have minisodes uh, on, on sort of ancillary She-Ra media. We got one on The Legend of the Fire Princess comic. We got one on Noelle Stevenson's memoir, The Fire Never Goes Out. No, the Fire Never Goes Out. Pretty good. Pretty good. We've got one that should be out soon uh, on the Save the Cat sort of sphere of stuff. The annotated script that they released a few months back. Uh, the The semi-canon fan fiction that noel stevenson wrote um and there was oh and, and a few animatic stuff that was cut from past episodes so we have that the sort of save the cat and uh the save the cat grab bag there coming up shortly we also have she riffs where uh we we crack jokes over syncable commentaries for the uh, old 80s 
she-ra episodes we got to get a new one of those out soon yes there the the next one we're doing is definitely going to be a peekaboo episode so keep your eyes peeled for that uh and also as we mentioned before there's the let's play sort of actual play podcasts one shot we're doing of for the honor which is a tabletop system uh based in the the firebrand system that is uh, she-ra themed and that's going to be pretty fun that'll be coming up um as we've said a few times sometime after the email episode probably probably a week or two after that um so so look forward to that that's probably like a month or two away from now yes uh you know maybe we'll do other stuff in, in the interim between our new project and the end of this one like uh, I don't know when that He-Man show comes up, but we'll probably, or is it a show or a movie? I think it's a movie. Is it a movie? I was like almost certain that was supposed to be like a show. It, you know, it might be one of those like, um, like mini series where it's like, it's like a show and like a halfway house between the two where it's like, they're like hour something long episodes. There's only like three of them or something. Yeah. Regardless, we'll probably cover that when it comes out just because like, it looks pretty fun. Uh, it's a very different vibe, but you know. Yeah. It, it looks like it was animated by the same people who did Netflix Castlevania, which I mean, that show looks pretty nice and it's, also it has, has some like two and a half real solid seasons. Two and a half very solid seasons, and then we don't think about the rest of it. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll get around to watching the fourth season eventually, because I, I gotta finish it at the very least. Um, but yeah, so that that's kind of our slate here as, as we wind down with the main She-Ra show. And of course, $3 patrons also get shoutouts at the end of every episode. So Yes, they do. Let's see. Uh, so thank you very much to our Force Captains. Okay, I'm, I, I apologize in advance for mispronouncing your name, probably. T- Tiana Nita, uh, thank you very much. That that newly joined, like, a few days ago. And, of course, also to... Yeah, thank you very much. Paul Robinson, Ludovica Peruzzi, Casey Cosmos, Emily P., Zach, Jen B., Katie Sinclair, Chris, Remy Dillon, Salty Salty, Blue Holly, I, Beauregard, Kaylee Louisa, Garrett Johnson, Ross, Ivy, Emmeline, Ashley Butcher, Anelia, Cody, Haley Moreland, Yusuf Gurch, Ashley, Kyra Williams, Mabel Mabel, Ryan Kuhn, Jennifer Jones, Jess Pumphrey, Leon Lay, Sean Montgomery, Jack Onoro, Olivia, Brittany Ray, Michael Starnett, Tara Stark, TCO, Brennan Fitzgerald, Tobu, Emma Grossman, and Robert Harris. Thank you all so much. Yeah, thank you very much. The The support means the world to us. And, and you know, we're we're really glad that you're all uh, you're all here for the the uh the the end of the the end of the show it's uh it's we're, we're gonna have some some fun stuff coming out at the end of the season here that's right so keep your eyes peeled for that uh and of course if you want to see me hear me somewhere else you can find me over at disney minus pod where i watch the rancid mouse's products on his streaming platform the terrible horrible mouse the accursed michael mouse latest episode on the bizarre and yet forgettable film dinosaur so if you want to hear me getting over a sinus infection complaining about dinosaur inaccuracies for two hours uh you can listen to that next up we are covering john carter uh another forgettable entry in disney's sort of uh film canon was that that one was that that like teen spy movie that they did? No, John Carter is based on the Edgar Rice Burroughs series, the same guy who made Tarzan, John Carter of Mars. Oh, right. Now, 
It's about a Confederate soldier who gets transported to Mars. Guess what part they don't talk about in the movie? I imagine probably that specific part. Correct. Uh, so <laughs> Probably a good call, Disney. I wouldn't have talked about that part either. They also did not call it John Carter of Mars because Mars needs moms bombed. And they didn't want to remind people about the movie. So they dropped Mars from the title, despite the fact that that makes a movie called John Carter completely unmemorable yeah i was about to say like wait wait does it not even take place on mars at all it does okay it is a it is he goes to mars it is still the story of john carter but it's just not called the thing it should be called john carter of mars and like they didn't call the the tarzan movie tarzan lord of the jungle but tarzan has more name recognition you don't gotta call him that yeah john carter's like who knows what that is john carter's just a guy he's just a dude It's like, okay, you got a movie here named John Carter. Who is that? I don't want to go see a movie starring a guy, like, he he sounds like an accountant. But regardless, that is what the RNG engine we we use for our fourth picks uh, gave us. So look forward forward to that. (laughs) Yeah, that's that sounds like a very uh, exciting time, but... uh... But until until next week, when we return to the Fright Zone, uh, I've been one of your hosts, Jane. And I have the other host, Nero. And we'll see you on the uh, the newly transported to Etheria Velvet Glove. Oh boy.